0: Adaptations aren't usually what we think of in day-to-day life, but they are everywhere. Some great, others not so much. This is the second part of the Iron Sharpens Iron co-hosted podcast, joined here
1: by Gabe from What Are We Wearing Today? It's Jude from Judocast.
0: What is an adaptation? Well, it's the action or process of being adapted or adapting, but that's pretty one-dimensional. Guys, what do you think it is?
2: I would say an adaptation is turning one piece of media and creating another piece of media to complement it. That's good. I also think what makes a good adaptation is a good adaptation must
1: build upon work and you can't just copy it.
0: Yeah, and it provides better than what the reader can imagine and lives up to their expectations.
1: Why What do you guys think they're made?
0: One is money. And second is just to provide more content that the people love of that story.
2: A spin-off is something from an already existing property, so an adaptation is something to complement it. Another is to show it in a new medium, and at that point it's already in a new medium.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Another thing about an adaptation, it needs to help promote the original. And by doing that, it needs to keep the core aspects and the mood and the theme of the original or what you're adapting. But again, you have to change it in some way, whether you're changing the setting, the characters to make it not just a straight copy.
0: Yeah. And if it's also a feature film, then you'll have the ability to talk to the original author because there's many things in stories that can be interpreted the wrong way or differently by different people. And if they don't have the same idea of how the story should go, then i will end up dramatically different with a different tone.
2: Yeah, I think sometimes with adaptations, it doesn't even have to be seen in the same context. It can be shown in different ways. I think recontextualizing it and putting something in so that it's more interesting and it's not the same old tired stories that we see
0: Yeah. And caring what you are talking about or redoing or doing an adaptation on is so important because if you don't have enough care for the story, then you won't make it as best as you could. And lots of memories and personal beliefs hold back even adapting.
1: And and there's also that certain stigma that some of the creators or the producers of the adaptations use. There's some key thing that they would like to add to that to the adaptation they're making that makes it that much bigger or better.
0: There's no rules for adaptation, but there's principles of what to do and how to make it the best it can be.
1: Two adaptations we've been watching in class recently are of Shakespeare's original play, Romeo and Juliet. We've been watching the Franco Zeffrelli version in 1968 and the Baz Luhrmann edition in 1996. Now, what do you guys think makes these two considerable adaptions?
0: We are talking about historical perspective and how the events at the time shaped the movies. The 1968 and 1996 films are completely different. Not just how they present it, but the ideas and how the 1968 one has less violence because it was a time of peace and protests
1: yeah that's a good point there especially because i think we, you guys remember talking in class about the 1968 and the year that changed america that really changed the whole world with all the protests and like the like killings martin luther king was killed it. bobby kennedy was killed as well in 1968 they wanted to keep the violence and more the drama because i feel like the people had too much drama that year so they wanted to keep it at a minimum and just have a more classical take on romeo and juliet
0: I also feel Shakespeare took a historical perspective, because the Capulets and Montague were actually real families and they existed, but the Capulets actually weren't around when Shakespeare wrote the play, so he had to take some idea of a historical perspective on what he was talking about.
2: Personally, I think that the 1968 version in regards to adaptations isn't really the best because it follows it too much. It follows it so much to a T that all the attitudes and all the writings that were in the original, they aren't really adapted to an audience. I'd have to agree with you, but also disagree with you. I can agree with you on the character
1: development and how the whole plot of the movie was slow compared to the 1996 version, but I feel like the reason he kept the plot much closer to Shakespeare's original play was because as you said earlier what was going on in 1968. And I feel like just if he had made a movie with like more dramatized and all that stuff, then it just it wouldn't have had as much traction because that year already was a horrible year and if he just made a horror show of people getting killed left right center, I don't think the audience would like that.
0: Since the film was one of the big films of Romeo and Juliet, and was one of the first, it kind of had to stay true to the story because it hadn't really been adapted to film, as well as that.
1: I agree, because we have to remember, they adapted that off of a play that was written close to 400 years ago, and to some parts, still today, we are still missing of that play. Going back to the Baz Lorman of Shakespeare, How do you think that differentiated itself from not only the 1968 version, but also the actual written play of Romeo and Juliet?
2: I think apparently the movie was supposed to be set in a mixture of Miami, LA, and Mexico City. It's full of a lot of personality with the color saturation and all the zooms. You can tell that a person was behind it and that it isn't a corporate product.
0: Yeah, and then the real videos portrayed it showed violence, gang violence in the same marriage.
1: There's more than they can count on my hand of paradoxes in Romeo and Juliet. The biggest one Montagues and Capulets hate each other. They will never like each other. They're always fighting, and then boom. So contradictory. Romeo, who is a Montagu, and Juliet, who's a Capulet, fall in love, and boom, they get married.
0: Yeah, and it also tests that names aren't people and names that describe them don't make them any more different. They're all the same, have the same DNA, all the same type of people. They just have different views.
1: Not even different views. It's just, I feel like the whole theme of Romeo and Juliet is like, you could refer it more to like love, but I feel like the overarching theme of Romeo and Juliet is just, you're a human, your last name, your color of your skin, literally anything does not define you.
0: I think the movie's relationship between Romeo and Juliet is almost an oxymoron two opposites that are supposed to be enemies are coming together and marrying. There's lots of things in real life like in wars the people come together for Christmas they came had a good time but then they had to go apart and it was pretty much the upper levels that made them do that but some people just want to live their life.
2: I would say that it is a bit of an oxymoron, and the original play was made in the 1600s, so using literary devices probably didn't exist, so maybe Shakespeare just thought of it as an ironic way of using the story, and a very symbolic way of using the story as well.
0: More recently, a movie called Adaptation by Spike Jones perfect for this podcast topic, covers the struggles of adapting a book into a movie, for his case, The Orchard Thief. It's a movie about Charlie Kaufman, the screenwriter of the movie, and tells the story as it progresses. The movie turned out really interesting, and I would recommend it for anyone looking for a comedy drama. It showed a lot of points of how to not do something. There is lots of points where Kaufman was procrastinating in He was being harsh to his brother. So you can take a lot of points out of this.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: In this movie, there's lots of internal conflict with himself. He has the narration points where he was down himself, how he should have done something, or how he messed up. And there was also a conflict between him and his brother. To make him look harsh, and there was two different personalities, they were twins but they are so different, made it such a contrast.
2: Yeah, I think with the twin part, because Charlie Kaufman, the screenwriter, doesn't actually have a twin that was CGI'd in. But I think the foil is what Kaufman doesn't want to be and what he also wants to be, an opposite of him. And I think with the character of Donald, that's what he envisioned himself writing in the movie. In the movie he has a girlfriend and he gets his script accepted and he goes to all these classes and it's all these things that he would hate doing but in reality that's how he think he should be
0: yeah you have a vision you have goals but without proper plans to complete those they're hard to achieve his expectations for things and people were kind of diminished or how he just gave up on himself and didn't have any self-confidence or self-esteem It made you feel sad pretty much.
1: And if you think about it, it actually ties into your podcast theme really well, because yeah, you have goals that you want to go somewhere and play like, for example, play a professional sport, but without hard work and dedication, those dreams are just not going to turn into anything.
0: Yeah. And you also have to take chances. You can't always do the same thing. In sports, you need to do what people aren't doing. You need to do more work than anyone else in the game to actually divide yourself from the general.
2: I think it's also really interesting in the POV it takes because half the time it's a completely omniscient movie and you can see the entire story play out but at other points it's more limited and we can only see what Kaufman's going through and I think that's really interesting because it's how he views the story and it's how also he views his life so it's a bit of a personal movie
0: yeah He's also contradicting how that professor said not to have voiceover and he just has a voiceover the entire time and makes it almost better. He always mentions that he's wasting his life. At the start, it was kind of a prologue like Shakespeare, how it was a black screen talking to himself, how bad he was. And when looking back, you always want to know you did everything you could to succeed. And this movie goes over real life problems. Kaufman has anxiety, depression, social phobia. All these are what real people experience and go through every day.
1: He does a good job of showing that because he's like he's relating what like his movie directing techniques And as you said, there's his social phobia and all that stuff. And that relates to real life problems because there's so many people in the world who have to deal with that stuff on a daily basis. So he's not only making a good movie out of it, but he's also connecting with his audience on a different level than just character wise.
0: Shakespeare connected his ideas with the whole world. Kaufman's doing the same thing with his ideas. What the movie adaptation showed is that you need others to succeed in your life. There was many times that once Kaufman got help, it was so much easier for him and it provided a different perspective. So you need also different perspectives to find solutions to problems. You have to focus on one thing you care about and you have to have conflict and crisis to make a story and characters need to change. Like said in Adaptation, writing is a journey into the unknown and the conclusion makes a story, a story. Bringing it full circle, Adaptations are a part of society and make for some of the best or worst movies. Thanks for listening.